Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago. Verse 10 and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Father in heaven, we need you today to reveal to us the glory of Jesus, just like you did for Paul. Uh, Lord, we need you to show us, God, what is of surpassing worth and value. And Lord, as, as that happens, God, and I know for many in this room, it's already happened. Uh, Lord, we need you to, to give us a passion to spend the rest of our life, the rest of our days, the rest of our hours, pursuing, knowing you more, knowing, tapping into your power. Uh, living your life, sharing in the ministry, the mission of your kingdom, um, putting our sin to death. And Lord, we, we look forward to that day. God, may it be today when you're going to come back and you're going you're gonna to make all things new. And we're going to be resurrected and we're going to be with you forever. We love that. We look for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Last, uh, or two weeks ago, when I was last with you, we looked at verses 4 through 8. And what happens in that passage is that Paul has a, 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 a renewed accounting in his life, okay? Everybody has in their life things they think are gain and things they think are loss, all right? These things are valuable. These things give me identity. These things are, are what makes me worthwhile and makes me right with God. These things are lost. These things are bad. And so Paul has those in his life. And when he meets Jesus Christ, when he meets Christ on the Damascus Road, when God shows him the glory of Jesus, all of a sudden he has this complete redoing of his value system. All right. All of a sudden the things that were gained to him are now lost. The things that were lost are now gained. And there's this, this, this complete uh, revamping of his value system. And the way I would describe it to you is in these terms, Paul went from look at me to look at Jesus. Okay. Now, now keep that in your mind. That is incredibly important to understand that, that, that faith in Jesus Christ, Christian Christianity, um, the Bible, the gospel, the, the gospel is not look at me. Every religion in the world, most of the people in the world have a look at me religion. Okay, what it means is I try to do good things. I try to go, go to the right places. I try to do the right ceremonies. I try to eat the right food and wear the right clothes and say the right things. All so that I can say, hey, 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 look at me. Look at me. Look at what I've done, God. Look at what I have to offer you. Look, look at who I am. I'm better than so-and-so. Compare me to that guy. God, I'm a rock star. God, you got to let me into heaven. That, that's most people's religion. And Paul was the best at that. Like, two weeks ago, we looked at verse 4 through 9. Paul says, man, I used, to, I, I used to pride myself that I was from the right family and I was from the right nationality and, and the right country and, and the right the right, the right." Pharisee group and I was a Hebrew of Hebrews and I did all the ceremonial law and I did all of that stuff. And Paul says, I have come to realize that all of that stuff is completely worthless in making me righteous before God. In fact, he calls it rubbish. He calls it dung. He calls it garbage. He says it's completely worthless. But what I want to tell you, what I want you to understand is that most people do not understand that. I, I had a conversation this last week that, that it's, it's, a, it's one I've had over and over and over again. I'll talk to somebody about Jesus and inevitably they will come back and they will say something like this. I'm just as good as you. 
Now, now, some people are, are that personal. Other people aren't as personal. And what they'll say is, I'm just as good as those people in that church. And you know what I say? Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> Let me tell you, I know those folks. You're, you're, you're better, you know? I mean, you're just as good. Yes, you are. You win. Okay, but here's the deal. doesn't mean anything, okay? That's like, that's like you going to the Oklahoma City Thunder and you trying out, and you standing before those coaches, and you saying, hey, I just want you to know, I can dunk the basketball just as good as Pastor Jason, okay? That doesn't do any good, okay? That doesn't get you on the team, all right? In fact, it gets you the door. It, it, it doesn't help your cause, and it shows. If you say that, if you're here today, and I know in, in the 500 or so people that will be in our services today, I know there are people who are sitting under the preaching today who would say in their heart of hearts, I think I'm right with God because I, I've gone to church. You know, for a lot of people, it's, it's I've gone to church for 70 years, 60 years, 50 years. Man, and, and some people hold that in their hand and they're like, how could God not let me into heaven? I mean, man, I endured that, that guy's rambling for 70 years. God, you got to let me in. That's worth something. All of that is look at me, religion. All of that is, look at what I got. Look at what I did. Look at what, look at what I'm, I'm strong enough to do. Look at what I'm disciplined enough to do. Look at, look at, I know the right end. Listen, Paul, Paul dumps all of that. And he goes from look at me to look at Jesus. And here's the thing. When Paul's, when Paul's value system is transformed, when he takes his eyes off of himself and he puts them on Jesus, and according to verse 8, if you remember this from last time, indeed I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing. When Paul sees the worth of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, that he's better than anything, when Paul sees that, his value system is transformed. When your value system is transformed... Your everyday pursuits will be transformed, okay? Now, what do I mean by your everyday pursuits? That's actually what Paul's talking about in verse 10 and 11, okay? He's talking about, what am I going to live my life for today? He's talking about, where do I, where do I give my time and my energy and my efforts? What, 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 what am I going to do with that stuff, okay? Paul says, when your value system transforms, what you value will direct what you give your life to. Okay, what you give your time to, what you give your energy to, what you give your efforts to. Now, we're all going to try to squirm out of that. Okay, I I really believe that I I try to squirm out of that. You know what I try to tell myself? I try to tell myself that I can value something really highly, but not give energy and effort and time and resources to it. Okay, that's what I like. Many of you, same thing. We, we, We try to squirm out, don't we try to say, oh. This is really important to me. This is really, this is what I live for. But I, because of my job, because of all my kids, because of my schedule, because of my school, because of my whatever, I, I don't give time and attention and effort to it. That's just not true. Whatever, whatever we highly value, that has a direct connection to what we pursue in our everyday life. I read an illustration the other day and I was like, man, that is spot on. Uh, it was talking about uh, people before and after a romantic relationship, okay? Uh, people before a romantic relationship will often tell you, I've heard this many times, I'm a busy person, won't they? They'll tell you, I'm a busy person. I got school, I got my job, I got, you know, my, my hobbies, I got whatever. I don't, I don't have time for this other stuff, okay? They'll often tell you that. What happens 
the moment a romantic relationship is kindled, okay? So, Mr. Mr. Boy meets Mr. Girl. Their eyes connect. It's true love, right? Spark, what happens? All of a sudden, that person has the time to sit at Dairy Queen over a milkshake for three hours and chit-chat about nothing, Okay, how did that happen? How did all of a sudden they're three hours, bam, just into their life? They got nowhere to go. They got nowhere to be. They've got all night. How, do, how now are they able to watch movies three nights a week? How does that happen? You know how that happens? Their value system got rearranged. Okay, all of a sudden there's a new value. There's a value that's eclipsing other values. And the practical application is, their time and energy and efforts flow right in line with that value. Now, let's see what Paul's saying here. What's Paul saying? Well, Paul is saying in verses 4 through 8 that his value system has been completely reorganized. What he used to say was gain is loss. What he used to say is loss is gain in view of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. And so in verse 10 and 11, he says, So now in my life, practically, here's, here's my pursuit. Here's what's happening. I'm pursuing different things. And notice, if you just look at verse 10, notice it is all still about Jesus. Do you see that? Verse 10, that I may know him, who's him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, Jesus, and may share his sufferings, Jesus, becoming like him, Jesus, in his death, his death, Jesus. I mean, it's all still about Jesus. I I just have to emphasize that because I want you to make sure you understand Christianity from start to finish is about the glory of Jesus. I'm just so afraid there's going to be people here at Lincoln who hear me preach and they're able somehow to kind of twist everything around and they're able to leave here saying, I'm okay because I'm a good person. It just doesn't matter. Now, I'm I'm not saying it doesn't matter in the sense of we shouldn't try to be good. You're going to hear me in the rest of this sermon talk about pursuing Christ with your life. But what you have to understand, please, please, Young people, older people, senior adults, children, don't, don't think the way to heaven is through. I am a good person. It's not. Okay. So what is Paul pursuing? Okay. Verse 10. So he's got this new value system. He's seen the glory of Jesus. He's seen Jesus is better than anything. So what's he pursuing? Verse 10. That I may know him. Okay. Stop right there. So now Paul, in his Monday, in his Tuesday, in his Wednesday, in his Thursday, what's he doing? He's pursuing, he's running hard after knowing Jesus. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, if you heard two weeks ago, you know that we're not saying Paul is trying to find out new things about Jesus, okay? He's not saying, well, on Monday, I read in Matthew, uh, you know, whatever, that Jesus went to Samaria after he went to Galilee. I know something else about Jesus. You know, I'm growing in my... No, no, that's not what he means, okay? He's talking about a personal, interactional, responsive relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? I know things about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I know I know about his childhood. I know about his conversion. I know about his ministry. I know about his church. I, I, I know about the attacks upon him by the media. I know how he died. I, I, I know where he went on vacation. I know all kinds of things about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I even named my son after his middle name. I know all kinds of things about Spurgeon. I do not know Spurgeon. Mainly because he died in 1892. I don't know him. I know about him. I don't know him. 
On the other hand, I, I know, I know Jacob Thompson. Like I know him. Actually, I don't know where Jacob was born. I don't know about his much about his childhood at all. Um, I can't think about that. I know he. I, I kind of know general area things around Shawnee. Uh, I probably know Spur. I, I know more facts about Spurgeon than I do about Jacob. But I don't know Spurgeon. I do know Jacob. You know, Jacob's helped me before. You know, we've had lunch before. We've, we've, I did their wedding. You know, I mean, I know him. We, we have a relationship. Paul is saying, listen to this. Paul is saying, it is my passion that I might know Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are saying he already knows him, right? Is Paul a Christian when he writes Philippians 3? Yeah, he is. And so what, what does he mean here? Listen, there is always more to know of Jesus. When you become a Christian, it's not done, okay? Don't look at salvation as done. You ain't with three people be baptized this morning, the 830 service. Is it done for them? They, their relatives came, their family, they took pictures. No, it's just beginning, right? It's, it's kind of like a baby being born. You know, everybody comes and they come to the hospital and they bring balloons and they, they bring presents and, and, and there's a great big celebration. And then they all go home. And what do you do? You take the baby home. Is it done? Oh my, it is just beginning. Is it not? It is just, I mean, man, the, the fun starts now, right? And when does it end? My, my oldest is 20. It's not ended yet, you know? I mean, it's, it's still, man, I'm still working, still, you know, that's the same way in your spiritual life. It is a progressive, eternity-long, ever-increasing, satisfying journey. Listen, some of you, 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 you were saved, you were born again, okay? And there's a celebration, you're, you're happy, and you ought to be, okay? You're forgiven, you're justified. But listen, you, you've kind of grown stale. You know why you've grown stale? Because it's not your passion to know more of Christ. There is so much more of Him to know. You've not even, you've not even scratched the surface. I knew Emma. Emma Long in 1985, 85, we, she sat in front of me in general music. And, and I knew, I knew she had short blonde hair. I, I, I knew she was from Florida. I knew she dre- dressed different than all the other girls in school. Kind of weird, you know, she's from Florida. She had a weird accent. I mean, I, I knew those things about her. Is that it? Is that done? No, my goodness. Man, after 22 years of marriage, man, we've, we've raised a family together. We, last night, she, came, she flew in from Pennsylvania. We drove back late at night, two hours from the city. She talked most of the time. I'm just soaking it up. You know, I'm learning things about her relationship with her mom and her sister and her brother. And man, I, I'm, 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 I'm no, I know more after last night than I did the day before. I'm still knowing stuff. I'll never get to the end of Emma. How much more will you never get to the end of Jesus? How much more of his help and his encouragement and his strength and his, 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 his love and his mercy and his, his power and his invention? You'll never get to the end of that. Okay, how can, how can you not want more? That, that's my question to you today. How can you not want more of Jesus? How can you not, as, as Paul says here, man, I want more of Christ. I want more of him. If you 
Ever listen to the Newsboys? Anybody in here? No, nobody, huh? Anybody? Newsboys? Back in the 90s, you know? Man, I tell you, have you ever seen their album covers? I'm sure that one dude is wearing makeup. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. They, they're weird. But I tell you what, what, what makes me think maybe they know something is, is one of the lines in their song says, to have found you and still be looking for you is a soul's paradox of love. You know where they got that? A.W. Tozer, okay? These guys are reading Tozer. They must not be stupid, all right? To, to have found you and still be looking for you is the soul's paradox of love. That's, that's Jesus, isn't it? I have him. He found me. I found him. We, I know him. Oh, but there's so much more to know. Listen, how can you not want today to, to know more of Christ? What, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by that? Well, do, do you know his, do you hear from him? Hey, there, there. Do you hear from him? Do you, do you want it? Is it your passion today? Here's Paul's passion. Paul says, I want to know him. What's he saying there? I want to hear from Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Well, sometimes, sometimes he speaks through his word, doesn't he? That's cool, isn't it? I'll just be honest, not every time. There's, there's some times where I read and, I don't know, it's just flat and not... For whatever reason, I'm distracted. I'm not, or maybe, I don't know. I don't know why, but I just know sometimes, you know, I, I still get things. You know, I still, you know, understand the truth. I still reinforce the commands and who Christ is. Okay, but there are times when I open this up and my life changes. It's exciting. I can take you around the parking lot and tell you, oh, right here, right here. It was like 10 years ago, man, right here. I was reading in Psalm 16 and man, you know, my, my whole world changed. The way I looked at life changed. And, and, and I was over here and I was in this office and, and I was, you know, man, it's exciting. God speaks to you through his word. He speaks to you through other people. He speaks to you through circumstances, sometimes through an audible voice. God has never spoken to me through an audible voice. I, I'm, I'm looking for that day. I'd really like that to be today, you know. Hopefully he doesn't say something like, you know, you're in trouble. I'm trying now. Hopefully it's a good thing. You know, I mean, I don't want to be scared to death, you know, but, but I would love for, I want God to speak to me. Do you want God to speak to you? Is it your passion to say, I want to know him. And in knowing him, I, I want, I want, I want to hear from him. You know, what's hypocritical It's for me to say, I want to know him. Oh, but I don't have time for my Bible today. Isn't that hypocritical? Say, man, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. Jesus, speak to me. I don't have time for your word. It's almost like if my wife would call, phones, you you know, I mean, her picture comes up. You know, I know it's her, you know, her name right at the top, you know. Emma's calling me. Then if I push that side button, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? It just, it just shuts it off and they don't know that I shut it off and I put it right back in my pocket. I don't ever do that with my wife. I don't. Man, I could be, listen, I do that with you guys some. I do. But I could be right in the middle of a, a counseling session and things are heated and she calls. I'm like, I got to pick this up. It's my wife, you know. But what if, what, if I, what if I just put it in my pocket? And then I said, I want to hear from my wife. You'd be like, dude, you got to answer it. If this is on your nightstand and you're not cracking it, let me ask you, can you legitimately say, I want to know him. I want It's my passion to know him. I want to experience his comfort. I want to experience his provision. Isn't that, isn't that cool to experience his provision? You know, when you need him for something, you, you pray, Fred, you pray and he answers. Isn't that exciting? Those are exciting times. 
That's what Paul's saying. I want to know Jesus. I want, I want to experience his comfort. I want to, I want to experience his, I want to interact with him. I don't want to just know about him. There's a world full of people who know about Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They're not hearing from them. They're not experiencing his power. They're not experiencing his answer to prayer. They're, they're not interacting with him. They're not being chastised by him and disciplined by him. There's not any interaction. Paul is saying, man, the rest of my life, I want to know my, 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 my Lord. I want to know my King. I want to know my Savior. How could we be content? Listen, if we believe what Paul said in verse 8, there's a surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. If he's that awesome, how could we not want more of him? That doesn't make any sense, is it? Does it make any sense to say, this thing is awesome. One helping is good. I've got plenty. Who does that? What bride and groom stand at the altar and I give the marriage message and we go through the vows and then finally we get to the point, you may kiss your bride. He scoops her up and lays one on her. And he pulls away and says, that was great. That's good. I don't need any more of that. I'm done. Done with that. Let's move on to something else. Who who would do that? I went to Marble Slab the other day uh, in Colorado. Somewhere in Colorado. I don't remember where we were. We were driving. We stopped at a Marble Slab. And I got English toffee ice cream. In a uh, Heath bar cone, okay? Yeah, yeah. Now, who, who would ever, I guess if you didn't like it, but I can't imagine that, but who would ever take one bite and say, that was awesome. I'm done with that. I'll never touch that again. By nature, when something is good, you want more, correct? Okay, so... So Paul, it makes sense here when he says, man, now the passion of my life is that I might know him. Remember Ephesians 5.18? It says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Why, why, does Paul, why does Paul compare being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit? Why does he do that? Let, let me, let me, hey, let's, let's, let's have a little lesson here. Okay? You, you'll be able to go to your friends and say, I learned how to get drunk at church. Because okay? I'm going to tell you. I'm just gonna, we're not going to do it. I'm going to tell you. Here's how you get drunk. Okay? You have to drink a lot, okay? You have to drink a lot. You can't just take one sip and think you're drunk. No, you got you to keep them coming, you know? Same with Jesus. How do you get filled with the Spirit? You got to want more. Yeah, I want more. I want more of the Spirit. I want the Spirit to have control. I, I want Him to saturate my life. I want Him every part of my life. I, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I, I want more. Okay, that, that's what Paul is saying here. Because, because I have seen the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ, verse 10, I'm going to live my life that I might know Him. And then second of all, look at what he says. That I might know the power of His resurrection. Okay, and what's Paul saying? He's saying, okay, the rest of my life, I, I, want, I want more Jesus' power. That makes you a little nervous, doesn't it? Whenever you find people that want power, you know, that's, uh, you know, the guy that comes into work the first day and he says, I'm going to own this company someday. You know, that, 
We try to get that guy out, don't we? I mean, that's a little dangerous, right? That guy that wants power. But Paul clearly says here, the passion of my life is to tap into the power of Jesus Christ. And that is a great power. The power of his resurrection. The power that is great enough to reverse death. The power that makes Jesus unstoppable and undefeatable. You can't kill him. You can't thwart him. You can't keep him down. Nothing can compare to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I want to tap into that power not for my own purposes but for 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 Christ's purposes that's the thing that makes the power of Jesus awesome is you don't you don't like just get it and then do what you want with it you know Jesus doesn't give you power and you go rob banks and like I got the power of the spirit you know I can do anything you know no you you get power for what Christ has purposed in your life And friends, we need power. Power accomplishes things. Power creates things. Power overcomes difficulties and obstacles. Power topples resistance. Power gets things done. We need power. There are are a world full of things that I cannot do that I need power for. I I can't make my kids have a heart that loves Jesus. I can't do it. When they were little, I mean, I... I could make them do stuff, you know. I, I, could, I could even make them like it sometimes, you know. Just by the sheer force that, thank you, Jesus, he makes us stronger than them, right? Because when they're two, if they were as strong as we were, they'd kill us. They'd snap our necks in the night, you know. They'd get, we'd take away the cookies and it'd be over, you know. Have you ever seen them get mad? Man, I, it's a good thing, you know. I could make them do stuff. There's still some stuff we couldn't do. We could never make Addie take medicine, you know. Dr. Jan just said we were new parents and weren't doing it right. And so she, uh, she put the medicine in Addie's mouth and she closed her mouth. Right. She held it and she stroked her neck, you know, for a long time. And she's like, there. Addie goes, you know. <laughs> ain't making her take it. She got like a separate pouch back there. She keeps it in, you know, the medicine pouch. But yeah, we can make her do stuff. You know what? I can't make my kids love Jesus. I I am powerless to do that. I need power. Where's power for that, friends? Where's it at? Where are you going to get it? Man, I want to tap into the power of Jesus. I desperately need him for that. I, I I can't make myself not selfish. There's a lot of things you can do just by the sheer force of your will. A lot of religious things. This is, why, this is why religion differs from being connected to Jesus. You can, you can do some stuff religiously. You know, can, can you go to church for 60 years without the power of the Spirit? You can. I think I know people that have. I mean, really. I mean, they're the most unhappy people. They just look like it's like taking that medicine that Addie had to take, you know, to be here. You know, I mean, it's just horrible for them. I mean, they're grumpy. I got to know they get up in the morning and they're like, it's church day. Oh, that guy drones on forever. The music is terrible. The people, I don't like any of them, but I'm going to go because I'm a good person and I'm going to heaven. And they go, you can do it, man. People do that. Paul, he, he had, man, he had religion. He could make himself be the right places and not eat the right things. I mean, I mean he could do all of that. Could he change his heart? Neither can you. Can you make yourself not selfish? 
Oh, we, we know the answer to that, don't we? We can change some of our behaviors, especially if you're, some of you are disciplined. We can't change our hearts. Can we make ourselves love people like Jesus told us to love them? Can we make ourselves forgive people like Jesus told us to forgive? Can we make ourselves not be bitter? Can we make ourselves love Jesus like we are? Man, I need the power of the Spirit. I, I need the power of the Spirit. I need Jesus' power. That's why Paul says here, man, it's my passion now that I know Christ. I got to know him more. I got I to gotta interact with him. I got to respond to him. I, I, I got I to the power of his resurrection. And then notice this next thing. Paul says, I want to share in his sufferings. All right, confession time. This has been a special verse for me for 20 years. I memorized it decades ago. And I have prayed this verse often. And here's my confession. There have been many times that I have left out this phrase. Okay? I, I, don't, I don't actually think, I'm not saying that like I'm, I did something wrong. I just couldn't pray it sincerely. I couldn't sincerely pray, Jesus, I want to join you in your sufferings. Uh, I, just, I, I, have, I have sincerely prayed it, but there's a lot of times that I haven't. What, what is he saying here? What, what's he saying? I don't think he's saying... I want to suffer so that I am more righteous. Did you know that's part of religion? I was looking through National Geographic at this, uh, this Muslim ceremony. And there's a ceremony where all the, the, the men and the, their sons, the men and boys, come together. And they, they have knives and like little, little filetios. And they, they flay each other. I mean, there is blood everywhere. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's an actual, it's like a festival deal. And, I mean, they don't like kill each other, but they, they'll take, you know, just lacerations on their back. They all had their shirts off. There's just blood covering this whole courtyard, little kids, little boys, you know, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a work. I mean, when you go and do that, you, you've, you've suffered for home, for Muhammad. It's, it's called asceticism. There's times where I've wanted to be the whipper in that deal, but I not, now I don't never wanted to go do that. Is that what Paul means? No, no, no. He's not saying that. What is he saying here when he says, man, the passion of my life now is that I may share his sufferings. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want to enter into Jesus' life with him. I want, I want to be with Jesus. And I know that's going to be hard. And I know that's going, to, that's going to involve difficulty. How do we know that? How do we know that following Jesus and living his life, if I live Jesus' life, if, if I be like Jesus and walk like Jesus and proclaim his kingdom and proclaim his gospel, how do we know that that will result in adversity? What happened to Jesus? I tell you, if there's an ever an evidence that we live in a broken world, it's the fact that the king of the universe, the creator of all mankind, came here. And what did we do to him? We killed him. The world is still opposed to Jesus. And so if you, if you follow him, that's what Paul's saying. I want to follow in your life. I want to follow in your footsteps. I want to live your life with you. And I know that's going to be hard. I know it's going to involve suffering. I always wanted to go with my grandpa when he broke ice. Um, breaking ice was really an uncomfortable day. 
You know, we, we would drive our old blue truck, you know, and, and the truck had no heater. Okay, so you can picture a, a January day. It's five degrees, no heat inside the truck. Not only no heat inside the truck, but a lot of farm trucks are like this. This is unique. If you're not a farmer, you may not know, know this, but a lot of farm trucks, you can actually see the ground from inside the truck. Okay, you know, around the transmission, there's big holes and there's big holes in the floor. You know, I always thought it was cool. I'd like watch the road go by, you know, as we were going. But that, that cold air, I mean, it was it was rigid okay and we got you know why i wanted to go you know why i begged my mom to let me go with my grandpa i want to be with him i want to be with him i want to do what he did i wanted to wear those elmer flood flapper caps that he wore and and most of all i wanted to run the axe okay i want you know grandpa i can still hear him say don't hit the tank hit the ice you know i mean i want to run the axe i want to be with him when, you, when you're convinced that Jesus is the best thing, you know what you're willing to do? You're willing to say, Jesus, I want to be holy like you. I want to be on mission like you. I want to share your gospel. People are going to laugh. I want to be made fun of. It's going to be hard. I want to share your sufferings. I met with some of these guys on Friday. And we were reading through uh, 2 Corinthians 6. Guys, you remember this? And Paul said... In verse 4, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. What's Paul saying? He said, man, we're, we're joining Jesus. We're signed up with him. We're living his life. Are there tough things about it? Yeah. Yeah, there are. But you know what? There's also the power of his resurrection to do those things, right? And there's joy in it. You know what always baffles me? You'll have military families whose dad, grandpa went, went to war, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. They came back. A lot of times they come back damaged. They come back hurt. What do those young men do? What do those sons do? Do, do they say, I don't ever want anything to do with the military? Know what they do? Maybe sometimes. More than likely, what do they do? They enlist. Isn't it? I'll be with dad in that. I'll be with grandma. I want to be a part of that. You know what people do when they see the surpassing glory of Jesus? They say, I want to be a part of that. Even, notice, notice verse 10 again. Even being like him in his death. Look at verse 10. Again, this is the practical outworking of seeing the glory of Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. Notice the last phrase, becoming like him, like Jesus in his death. Jesus died to what? He died to sin. He died for sin. He died to pay the penalty for sin. He did not live in sin. Sin was not alive in him. Jesus died to sin. And now we enter into his life as a sin killer. Can I, can I phrase it that way? It just makes sense to me to phrase it that way. Is that we enter into a life of killing our own sin. We enter into a life where we say, Jesus, you're the best thing ever. There's nothing more glorious than you. And in response to that, I'm going to live my life life against sin my own sin now you know what religion does religion points out everybody else's sin doesn't it religion says man you got it all messed up you know i'm glad that i'm better than you i'm surely going to heaven before you christianity says i hate my own sin because i've seen the glory of jesus 
Remember what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23? If anyone wishes to come after me, let him take up his cross daily. What's, what's the cross? It's the instrument of execution. He's not talking about killing yourself or killing others. He's talking about killing your sin. He's talking about Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Where it says, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. He's talking about dying to sin. He's talking about living Jesus' resurrection life, which is against sin. And so when you see that Christ is the best thing ever, you're going to respond to that by living against your sin. Notice the very last thing, and then we're done. Verse 11. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, first of all, what, what's, what's Paul talking about here? You know what the resurrection of the dead means? That means I get to be with Jesus every day forever. Okay? I mean, this whole thing's about Jesus, isn't it? Then I may know him. I, I, I want to know him. I want to interact with him. I want to hear from him. I want to experience him. I want to I tap into his power, the resurrection power. I want to share his life, his sufferings. I want to be a part of his mission. I, I, I want to be, be conformed to his death. I want to be against sin just like he was against sin. I want to become more like him. And then finally, I want to be in the resurrection. I want to be one of the ones that goes into the new heavens and the new earth to be with Jesus forever and ever. Christianity is all about Jesus. But why does Paul say that by any means possible, I'm... It almost sounds like he's not sure if he's going to make it. Is that what he means? I don't think that's what he means. I I think he's acting humbly here. But but here's the thing. I don't think he's doubting that he will make it to the end. I think he is living as if this were not yet the end. Okay, now let me explain that. I think this is important for us as Baptists because we have traditionally believed something we've called once saved, always saved. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, I think it's really dangerous to phrase it that way. We actually don't say that at Lincoln. We try not to say that at Lincoln. We try to say the perseverance of the saints. And let me tell you why we don't say that at Lincoln. Because once saved, always saved... Almost, almost eludes that things are done, okay? That it's finished. You know, that I, I just have nothing but to kick back and wait for heaven, okay? It, it, almost, it almost gives people the impression that we can go to Falls Creek and make a decision and go down front and, and be baptized at our church. And then it's like, I'm done. I'm in heaven. I'm, I'm going. It doesn't matter what happens now. I know I killed three people last week and I've had, you know, seven women. But, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to heaven because once saved, always saved. Paul does not think that way. Here's the way Paul thinks. If I've seen the glory of Jesus, then my life is going to be transformed. I'm going to have this passion to know Christ and to know his power and to share his mission and to live for his glory. And someday out there, after I've traveled through that, I'm going to be in the resurrection. But you see, Paul sees it at the end. I think that's why he says that by any means possible. What are the means possible? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So, so the way Paul sees it is this is a journey. This is a journey. It's not done. Salvation's not done at conversion. It begins. And what begins? My life of knowing Christ and seeking Christ and responding to Christ and interacting with Christ and living Christ's life and tapping into his power and being like him in his death. So that at the end of that journey, as I, as I have trusted him and sought after him and lived for him, I'll be with him forever in the resurrection. Is that exciting to anybody, by the way? 
Is it exciting that there's coming a day where Jesus is going to reverse all the wrong? Where he's going to reverse all the bad? Where he's going to take away all the sin and the broken relationships and the hurtful feelings and the, and the, and the violent deeds? And he's going to take away all, all the, the selfishness and the pride and the greed and the covetousness and, and the bitterness? He's going to take all... And, and we are going to be made like him completely and live in a place with fullness of joy and pleasures forever? That's exciting. One last time, only because I love you. One more time, if you'll just let me do this. Do you see how different this is from religion? What is, what is religion? Religion says, look at me. Look at me. I'm better than so-and-so. And there's times where we can prove that. I mean, I, th- I think sometimes people think, well, you're saying that I'm not. I'm not saying that you are. You win. You're better than me. Man, I- I'm convinced you are. Man, I look at some of you. Man, I, the lives you've lived, you're, you're great. It's awesome. You know, some of you did it right all through growing up and you were the kid that obeyed your mom and dad and your mom dressed you up in that dorky little short suit and you didn't get it dirty. You're awesome. I mean, you really are. Through high school, you stayed in the youth group and you you never went out and partied and you, you, you did what your mom and dad said. Listen, you win, but you're still going to hell. Does that make sense? You know why? Because all you have is look at me. That's all you got. And you piled up your works and you piled up your good deeds and your stack is like this and my stack is like this. And you're like, God, surely you got to let me in. I mean, I'm 20 times better than that Dirk's guy. Remember what Paul said two weeks ago? All that is garbage. All that is dung. It's poop. In God's sight. The only way you're right with God is through being connected to Jesus. Thank you for letting me say it again. I just I want I don't want you to I don't want you to leave this place thinking I'm a good person, that's how I'm getting to heaven. Only through connection to Jesus, only through what Jesus did on the cross, only through faith in Christ, only through through making Christ the center of your life. Are we able to be saved? And as we're saved, guys, we know Jesus. Let's live the rest of our life pursuing him, knowing him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for um, Jesus. He's everything to us. He's, uh, He's righteous. He's holy. He's perfect. He's loving. He's gracious. He's powerful. Jesus, you're everything we need. And Lord, we just want to be connected to you. We want your righteousness in us. We want, we want your love in us. We want your grace in us. We want your power in us. We want your strength in us. Jesus, we want you. We want you. Lord, we want to be connected to you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.